The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we're going to talk about a company called Peppermint Innovation. This is a company which offers mobile payment services, as well as access to microfinance and financial services options. Its core market right now is the Philippines. Essentially, this company is an end-to-end ecosystem of non-banking financial solutions. And we're lucky enough today to have with us Chris Kane, who's the MD of Peppermint Innovation, the ASX Code PIL. Chris, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Oriel. Nice to be here. So, Chris, kick things off for us by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you've ended up as uh, the Managing Director of a fintech. Sure. It, it's an interesting story. Um, I was working uh, in another industry, uh, mining services, actually, which uh, is quite uh, quite the norm when you come from Perth, Western Australia. Um, many years ago, and I was operating uh, a part of a fund where we were focused on uh, fly-in, fly-out workforce accommodation. Um, one of the largest shareholders in that organisation uh, I got reasonably close to and worked strongly with. Um, and it was him who put me onto this opportunity uh, way back in March of 2014 um, to look into what was a fledgling uh, fintech company with, uh, with a rather rudimentary technology platform that was focusing on providing mobile banking white label apps to the banking sector in the Philippines. Um, at, his, at his insistence, uh, he asked me to take a trip to uh, Manila in the Philippines, the first time I'd been to the country, as I say, back in March 2014, and see what we could do with the company. He was associated uh, with the company and had a small investment in the company. Um, and he wanted me to take my sort of financial markets and investment banking experience to see if we could sophisticate the company somewhat and and effectively put it in good shape to uh, take it to the next level. Um, I was uh, willing to take that assignment. Um, I was very intrigued and interested. Um, I loved the concept. And I certainly, uh, post my trip to Manila, I really saw the potential for this platform and also ultimately to provide a really uh, interesting social service in the Philippines itself. And what instigated that was a field trip I did with the team in the Philippines, the local Filipino team, um, out to a regional area and we visited an organisation called Card Bank. Now, Card Bank was a microfinance institution and their whole thrust of business was to provide small loans to people who were unbanked that would enable them to purchase uh, such a thing as a sewing machine, uh, to stitch garments and create their own business and sell those garments to create a living for themselves and then ultimately pay the loan back. Um, so creating financial inclusion, that's, that's really what Card Bank uh, was, was providing through this microfinance 
loan or microcredit uh, program. And it really struck me that that was a, a very, very worthwhile cause. And given that in a country like the Philippines and indeed across the whole of the ASEAN region, over 70% of the population are unbanked or underbanked and don't have access to basic financial services. I really got the uh, concept that I'd like to be involved in how we could deliver financial inclusion using this platform that uh, was established and, and, and growing um, in the Philippines. And, and that was the essence of, of where Peppermint Innovation came from. It's an, it's an incredible story, a very powerful one as well, especially when you're talking about the opportunities that something like microfinance or, or literally having access to um, funds in the Philippines, the difference that that can make um, to families and individuals there. And you talked about the unbanked and there are around 75 million people in the Philippines who remain at this point quite hard to believe for us here in Australia, but who remain completely Unbanked, And I would imagine that uh, putting COVID into a picture like this, where people stand in line for hours to pay an electricity bill, it, it's going to, it's, it's brought about a more rapid pace of change. Look, look it certainly has. Um, and that is the essence of, of and the culture of, of the Filipino community um, up until very recently. And most of the, the dealings are in cash. A huge percentage of transactions that take place are in cash on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of it is via bricks and mortar interface, not a lot of digital or or, or online transactions. Um, With the advent of COVID um, and the fact that in the Philippines, uh, the country is still under significant lockdown conditions and has been since March 2020. So movement has been prohibited. So there has been a massive push towards a digital platform uh, and digital payments. Um, and in fact, across the last 12 months, a report recently suggested there's been a surge of over 5,000% in digital payments in the Philippines as a result of COVID. Um, and our platform, our core platform, our non-bank focused platform, the Bismoto platform is exactly that. It's focused on a, a digital payments ecosystem. Uh, and more importantly, it's delivered via a mobile interface, so a mobile app interface. So it takes the service to where the people are. It's convenient, it's accessible, and it takes the takes away from that need for a bricks and mortar interface. Um, so quite uh, quite relevant in these COVID nineteen times. So how did you determine what was required when we're talking about the Bizmodo platform? Um, from what I understand, this platform was in fact developed in consultation with the financial regulators in the Philippines? Uh, Absolutely. As I say, I mean, the thing that struck me um, early on was the the ability to provide financial inclusion, Um, the ability to provide basic access to financial services, simple things uh, that we take for granted every day, like paying bills um, even um, by by accessing uh, a basic things such as buying mobile airtime for your mobile phone. Um, the, these kind of concepts, it's, it's really a major thrust in the country. Uh, we uh, certainly participate in the National Strategy for Financial Inclusion, which is, is run by the Central Bank of the Philippines or the BSP. Um, and ultimately, it's about providing a an inclusive service where all Filipinos 
ultimately can get the opportunity to access basic services and that in itself allows them to improve their their standard of living uh, which which is really uh, which is really the concept of financial inclusion now you've recently raised uh, an additional two and a half million dollars Chris as working capital and marketing what specifically are you planning to do with those funds yeah, look absolutely so w- w- we have raised the, that funds, and uh, that was back. Uh, we announced to the market at the end of February. Um, what we're aiming to do with those funds, and we're a long way down the path, is be in a position where we can launch our microfinance operation under the brand name Bismo Pay into our already established Bismoto ecosystem of services. So we will be in a position where we can offer registered Bismoto agents. Um, the opportunity for them to access microcredit or microfinance to then operate their own business using our Bismoto platform and offer services, financial inclusive services to the people of the Philippines. So that's really where we're focused. Um, We've highlighted to the market that we are in the final throes of applying for our finance license in the Philippines to underpin our Bismo Pay operations. And hopefully very soon we'll be in a position to advise the market of, of progress in that, in that regard. What's very soon, Chris? What's your sort of time frame on that? <laughs> we are in the hands of uh, obviously the regulators in the Philippines, um, predominantly the SEC in the Philippines. And it is fair to say that uh, due to the COVID-19 lockdown, um, timeframes have been stretched. But I would certainly hope to be in a position within at least the next two months, if not sooner, to be able to update the market on where we stand on Bismo Pay and and the rollout of that service. Um, It's really exciting for us, for our company, because we completely think that Bismo Pay will turbocharge the use of our Bismoto ecosystem of services. So our main focus with Bismoto is to target four key business sectors. It's mobile payments, e-commerce, delivery and logistics, and mobile financial services. Now, we're actually already commercially deployed and proven in three of those four uh, key business sectors. The fourth, mobile financial services, we've just started to deploy uh, products in that silo over the last couple of months. The first of that was Bismo Protect, which is micro-insurance which is effectively short-term insurance products for, uh, for the unbanked that they can access, for instance, life insurance for a month at a time or two months. Um, and again, financial inclusion, people usually focus on microfinance as a form to create financial inclusion. Microinsurance is also extremely important and, and included as a part of that definition of financial inclusion. Where we're rolling to now with Bismo Pay is effectively we are able to inject microcredit or microinsurance into that platform that will allow an agent to use that money to perform transactions across the rest of the platform and deliver services to the Filipino people. So if we go back to the example of the sewing machine, if you like, the Bismoto platform is effectively a digital sewing machine. It is the tool. It is the tool that will allow a Filipino person to utilize that tool and deliver services and create an income for themselves. Bismo Pay puts microfinance into that equation. So we have created or we will have created a 
a business in a box, a mobile micro enterprise platform for Filipino people. And the way that we uh, like to sort of describe that is that the Bismoto mobile micro enterprise platform is enabling the next cohort of Filipino entrepreneurs to provide important financial inclusive services to the Filipino people. Um, and that's, that's our thrust. You know, so much of what you have to do obviously does rely on regulators in the Philippines. You mentioned dealing with the SEC. Um, how difficult is it to deal with regulators in, in a country like the Philippines? Because there are language differences, there are cultural differences, there are legal differences, um, as opposed to dealing with a with an institution or a regulator in Australia. Look, it is a good question, and it's it's one that people generally uh, would think to be more problematic than it actually is. And there's a number of reasons for that. Firstly, being based here in Perth, um, we're on exactly the same time zone as the Philippines and Manila, which, which is fantastic in terms of ease of communication. Secondly, the Filipino people, um, I'm actually ashamed at how good their English is. Um, every meeting that I go to uh, when I was able to travel to the Philippines and I was going there basically on average since March 2014 up until COVID hit every six or seven weeks and I was on the ground for a week at a time. Well, every meeting I walked into was conducted in English and very easy to understand English. And I think if you speak to anybody that's done business in the Philippines, you'll understand that their workforce that, uh, that we deal with are, are well-educated, um, well-spoken uh, and very courteous people. So it makes business reasonably easy to do in that regard. In terms of dealing with the regulators, again, you're dealing with the Central Bank of the Philippines, you're dealing with the SEC. These are tried and tested um, regulatory regimes that effectively are based on the US system. So they are reasonably easy to follow. And there's some very, very well-educated people that are running these organisations. So it is by no means any different than dealing with the regulators here in Australia. What we pride ourselves on at, in, at Peppermint is our whole team in the Philippines are all local Filipino people. They're, they're, they're a great team. They're a well-educated team. They're completely invested in what we're trying to do at Peppermint, and that is improve the lives of Filipinos ultimately. Um, and they have been with the team since March 2014. Um, so they're well-vested in what we're trying to achieve. And we take a very, very respectful approach when we're dealing with the regulators. We obviously are trying to ensure that uh, we're helping where we can and we're enabling uh, what the central regulators' aims are in terms of providing financial inclusion to the, the population of the Philippines. And we step through the process that we're required to step through with some very, very good external um, legal counsel advice. Um, so. To be honest, Oriel, it's not actually that different than dealing with the regulators here in Australia. Um, and I find that uh, once people understand that uh, you, you can deal at a very sophisticated level in the Philippines to get things done, um, they understand the opportunity of the market and the business there in the Philippines. Mm, mm. Uh, what sort of lessons is this teaching you for the for your next uh, shot across the bow, if you like? Because I know that right now you're you're already looking across ASEAN and then globally for further growth, um, India, Vietnam specifically in terms of target markets. 
Absolutely. So, I mean, our target is is the ASEAN region. I mean, there's 658 million people uh, living in Southeast Asia, effectively. And again, that metric of 70% being unbanked runs true across that whole population base. So what we're finding is um, our model in the Philippines could really be a, an excellent turnkey model to provide financial inclusive services to the rest of Southeast Asia's unbanked and underbanked population. So we look at our key markets and key markets such as Indonesia, uh, Vietnam, Thailand, where there's an opportunity to roll out this, this tried and tested and commercially proven platform in those countries as well. I think one thing that we've always taken the approach, and it's an important business strategy of ours, is as much as people want to frame or term, I should say, a fintech company as a disruptor, um, and it was the catch cry a few years ago, everybody was a disruptor if they were in the fintech space. We've never thought ourselves thought of ourselves as a disruptor. I mean, we actually think that we're an enabler. So we want to work very, very strongly with the uh, established local entities. Uh, we want to enable their business that enables our business. Um, I, I think the last thing you want to do is, is, is try and suggest that you're going to disrupt the complete status quo in a country because that's when you will run into roadblocks. So our whole concept is a commercial enabler and, in, and it's a mutually beneficial outcome. And that's the approach we will take when we go into other countries as we as we expand we look for good solid established partners in those countries and see how our platform can work with them to improve their business but also to uh, assist our business in growth it's, it's certainly something that we are um, going to be watching very very closely chris we wish you all the success in the world um, it's certainly not only a great business model but also making a significant difference to the people that you're uh, you're helping. So thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you here telling your story. Thank you very much, Ariel. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to get people across the story. And we're looking forward to the future also. It certainly are. Chris came with us there, MD of Peppermint Innovation. And thanks also to all of our supporters and our listeners today. You are listening to Stock Insiders with me, Ariel Morrison. See you next time. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.